Mark Bullock, BMA Biotech. All right, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us here today. BMA Biotech, start off quickly by uh, letting people know what it is you're doing. So BMA Biotech specialize in a wide range of chemicals for the uh, primarily the oil and gas industry, but we also cover the facilities maintenance sector, wastewater treatment, and uh, we're starting to expand into the environmental services industry as well. And what shale plays are you guys in currently? Uh, so in the U.S., we're primarily focused on the Permian and the Eaglefoot because obviously they're central to us. Um, but we are starting to focus our efforts now of moving up to the back end. And uh, also we're looking at moving up to um, the tar sands in Canada as well, in various areas. That should be pretty exciting. Is that uh, You are seeing that kind of growth, though, because of the um, new service that you guys are providing? Yeah, I mean, it's not just the new service. What we're now seeing across the industry um, as a whole is that there's a new way of thinking starting to come about chemicals. Um, you know, the, 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 pro, you know the, the conventional chemicals, obviously, are petrochemical-based. Um, so due to the, the negative effects they, you know, that they can have on not just, you know, the, the health and safety of, of employees, but also the wider environment, um, as, you know, the U.S. and the rest of the world become more environmentally conscious, they're, they're starting to try and phase them out. Um, but there, there are very few companies like ours that actually do you know, products which are environmentally friendly and, you know, actually function correctly in their given application. Talk to me a little bit about that environmental movement that's going on. You know, everybody seems to want to be greener this day, these days. Uh, um, talk to me about the environmental services side of the uh, oil and gas industry. So, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously when you get an oil spill, it has to be cleaned up. Um, or EMP waste bill, whatever it, you know, it has to be cleaned. There, there's no two ways around that. Um, and what we're seeing is, you know, the the long held um, thought that you know they can use X, Y, and Z products, which save them apparently save them money, or digging and hauling um, to dispose of the soil is no longer effective because you know we're we're seeing a lot more. Um, what I would call charlatans within the industry who are claiming to have products which don't actually do what they say. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, we, we know of a company who claims that their product turns crude oil into sand. Um, it's, it's just not possible. It's not even probable. Uh, all it basically is is a type of high-grade detergent, which in short is um, basically encapsulating the, the oil and pushing it further down into the subsurface. So you know, it may seem revolutionary on the face of it, but when you actually dig into the scientific side of it, it, it genuinely doesn't work. It's just creating a, a far <clears throat> a far worse problem for the you know, for whoever's employing these guys and you know, a worse environmental profile of the industry because it's just not working. And that's where we come in because excuse me, we've seen where our products, you know, we, we measure our products not only on their performance but also on how they enrich the environment. So when we make a product, we look at, you know, not just the usability for the client, but also how do we make sure that our products aren't going to have a negative impact. So, you know, if it's a microbial product, um, you know, and there's a lot of bad PR about microbial products in the industry because, it, you know, they are temperature tolerant like all living organisms. Um, but if you know 
how to balance the formulation correctly, you can get outstanding results, which is what we're seeing. Um, with our chemical side of things, you know, we don't do in situ soil washing with the chemicals because this is where the big downfall is that people are just basically washing their soil in situ and pushing the contamination deeper into the subsurface where we, you know, we've developed a, a unit um, that you can wash the soil, pass it through this unit and it splits off the chemical one way, it separates out the soil to another area of the unit and then takes out the um, crude oil or EMP waste to another area. How about the accountability behind this? Uh, oftentimes, at least I've heard, cleanup companies can come in, but the oil company, the service provider, I guess I assumed it was the oil company, but it might not be. Uh, whoever that company is that's oftentimes doing the hiring ends up being the one who's accountable for it, not the not the spill-up cleanup company. Is that, is that still the case? Yeah, yeah, that's still across the U.S., that, well, across the rest of the world as well. It's, it's basically anyone who's caused the, um, the spill it is liable for what they call cradle to grave. So even if you bring in a spill company that claims to have cleaned it up, and in three years' time you suddenly get leaching into a nearby lake and it can be determined that it actually is the original oil that you'd allegedly had cleaned up three years previous, you're still liable for that cleanup. So you're not just liable for the cleanup. The second time, you're also liable for the environmental impacts you caused on any, you know, on anything around you. So it's, you know, if you do not do it correctly the first time, then, you know, you're just leaving yourself open to, or, or you know, service companies slash operators are, are leaving themselves open to potentially, you know, environmental infringements. What's the biggest trend right now you're seeing in your niche side of it? Uh, you know, you mentioned it in, in situ earlier. Of course, I was thinking of ex situ and remediation and all these different words that yep. come into it. What what side of the cleanups are you seeing the the biggest opportunity or the growth? Uh, we're seeing the ex situ more because um, I mean, ex situ basically means that you're removing it from the original site of contamination and putting it into another area um, until you can clean it adequately. Um, so that I mean, we do all of our cleanups on site. Um, so there's not actually moving any contaminated soil around anywhere. Um, so that's the, one of the biggest niches. Because, again, when you compare that to, to the, the dig and haul method, so the dig and haul basically is you bring in a company who will dig up the soil, who will put it into a, a, a roll-off box and take it to another facility for disposal. So f you have to have a paper train from the point of origin to the point of disposal. And then you will then have to have paperwork to show that it's been disposed of correctly. Yeah, so, again, it all brings in costs and, you know, regulatory compliance, which, again, can be a nightmare in itself. So we're seeing our our, in -situ, well, our ex situ on-site treatments um, making more headway than um, in situ bioremediation. Because, again, bioremediation is, in itself, it's effective um, in, the, in the right temperatures, um, but again, it's it's costly in the sense of, you know, the way you treat it. You know, if it's in situ with bioremediation, you've got to drill boreholes, put in shafts with holes in to pump the product down and push it through the one side. You know, it's comparable to fracking, basically, in situ bioremediation. You, you, in a sense, you're fracking the, the soil with, with microbes to get the contamination out. 
In Texas, is this still kind of um, underneath the Railroad Commission of Texas? Yep, Texas is the Railroad Commission. Um, you know, they, they do okay. an outstanding job at what they do. So, I mean, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're very thorough, the state of Texas, on the railroad side. There. Um, you know, I mean, yes, there are some regulations that were put in in 1993 or before that. So, you know, hopefully they'll update them to accommodate the, the changes in in the industry in the sense of the new products out there. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so, yeah, trying to track some of these different things with the different organizations that are underneath them. I was going to ask you, um, are is it difficult from state to state? I don't know about, uh, you know, different states you're in, but maybe like a New Mexico or a Louisiana or Colorado or anything like that. Are you just still in Texas and just getting interest from other states now, or have you – started to get into other states and you're finding that there's uh bigger challenges or well typically we, we operate in the state of texas um, but our product has been used on various product projects outside of the state of texas with other companies or we've gone along and assisted other companies when they've been, been doing cleanups and we find on the whole the the regulatory side you know the agencies providing you're doing what you're meant to be doing don't have an issue you know providing you, you can clearly display to them that your product works you know, your method is sound and you actually know what you're doing. Um, it's quite an easy process. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if they get the impression that you genuinely don't know what you're doing and you're trying to pull a fast one and cut it and run, basically, that's when the issues, you know, they start to scratch the surface a little bit more. You know, we've heard reports where we heard of one company who claimed that they were working in a state and the state was so impressed with their product to this, this, this on-site person, uh, a sample and took it to their home and started playing about with it. You know, and the, the first question that was raised when we did bring this up to the regulatory department was, you know, if we're going to test a product, we're certainly not going to do it in someone's house. It's going to be in a lab setting. So, you know, it's, again, it's, it's, you've got to be careful what you hear from companies because sometimes you'll hear fantastical stories that they've got such a good rapport, but actually in truth, they haven't. It's just, you know, talk is cheap. Well, that's what I was going to say. A lot of this stuff, of course, you get you get into exaggerators and guys who talk about, you know, bigger than 10 Super Bowls that they can do yeah. and that sort of thing. And is that is, is that starting to self-correct a little bit more within your within your niche, the environmental services? It's yes and no. It's one of those ones where um you know, do you want it fast and cheap or do you want it, you know, expensive and good it's it all comes down to that and what we're seeing is that these companies can do you know lower rates than we can because you know they're genuinely buying their stuff for like three cents a gallon because it's that superb it actually doesn't work um in a sense of it doesn't turn crude oil into sand um where we are the ones that say well no you know we're going to charge you x number of dollars per cubic feet or per cubic meter, whichever they want to be charged by, because, you know, we know what we're doing. We've got a multitude of experience from the team that we've put together, and our products have been designed specifically for this. You know, it's not something that we found that can clean, I don't know, a wood-burning stove, for instance, of carbon. You know, we've genuinely developed this product specifically for uh, chemical soil washing. Mark Bullock with his BMA Biotech. Can I... Talk to me a little bit about uh, what's next for you guys. Uh, next is, is you know, we, we're, we're slowly getting bigger and bigger projects through the door. 
Um, you know, we're starting to make a lot more tie-ins to a lot of companies within the industry. Um, we're, you know, we're slowly getting out there. Uh, well, slowly, it's actually quickly in, in some respects. Because, you know, we're seeing, I mean, up in Colorado, there's this big shift that it's, you know, and now a negative view of oil and gas. Um, and the the chemicals and the production methods, you know, are now under scrutiny where our chemicals, you know, I mean, are very safe. So that's where we're going to now upshift is because people are coming to us and saying, hey, we need data for the biodegradability of your product. Can you supply it? Well, yes, there you go. Um, so when they go back to, you know, the, the state or whoever, they, they can see that they're genuinely trying to change. So that's where we're seeing our biggest function is at the minute is people are coming to us because there is a need for change and we're able to provide that service to them. How about the Permian Basin down there? Uh, what's the, what's kind of the activity happening or what are you seeing, reading, hearing from your customers? Uh, we're seeing steady growth. Um, you know, I mean, so, you know, in um, in June, um, you know, th- there was a reduction in, produ- in, in, the, in the volume of oil produced. Um, but again, it's one of those ones where wells are being depleted, um, you know, within the first year by 70%. So obviously that's why there's a continual drilling phase going on because, you know, investors need to be paid back for the money they're putting in. So, you know, the production is there. Uh, it's just the question of how many wells need to be drilled to keep up with that production. But unfortunately, you know, now it's coming to a point where investors want a return. So we're seeing a lot more companies are sticking with the wells they've got, reducing drilling activity and just trying to basically make a return for their investors that way. How about on the chemical side of things? I mean, you guys are in the environmental services. You deal with a lot of chemicals. You mentioned Colorado. You mentioned Texas. You know, up in North Dakota, a lot of times it's, you know, 93%, I think, is private land. So, you know, you, you got state-to-state regulation, you know, that sort of thing. Of course, you got the EPA, but at the end of the day, I don't care where you're at, you're going to have spills, whether it's salt water, whether it's crude oil, whether it's, you know, loading bananas on a truck, things spill. And yes. so how deep do, do some of these things get and, and do they get all the way to your level with the individual chemicals or do they just kind of blanket an in industry? Do you know what I mean by that? How deep do these studies get sometimes? Um, I mean, it's, it's all a question of how long is a piece of string, um, you know, and you know, what we're seeing across the board is, you know, a lot more states now are becoming environmentally conscious, um, you know, they don't want to do anything that's going to harm the, the, you know, the environment or people. So they are taking a closer look at the chemical side because, again, I mean, you know, you look at 98% of the products in the industry um, from production all the way through to refining. Um, a lot of them are petrochemical based. So in a sense, it's derivatives of crude oil. Um, so what we're seeing is, you know, if you can prove that you've got a genuine product that genuinely is an environmentally friendly and a sustainable product at a cost effective price, the operators are very interested in it and they obviously want to use it. But also states are looking at it as, you know, we're, you know, we're working in partnership in a sense with the operators to try and help them reduce their impacts on, you know, the, the, the negative PR. Because, I mean, we've all seen the studies where, they say this chemical causes um, birth defects or this chemical, you know, gives you a greater chance to getting cancer. Um, 
And yet, in some respects, these studies may be slightly slanted towards one view or the author may not have a, a credible background. But in some respects, you know, there is a lot more research out there against what these products can do than what there is for their environmental profile. So that's what, you know, is very, it's a fine line between getting a product that works and having it environmentally friendly to having a product that doesn't work and isn't environmentally friendly. So, you know, it's, we're seeing a lot of, a lot of companies now are mislabeling their products just to sell them. Um, I've seen people claim biodegradability. Um, so you, I've naturally asked them, you know, I've called them out in a sense, well, what, what timescale are we looking at? Are we looking at one week, um, one year, you know, what? Uh, and I just get met with blank stares or they just completely block, blank me and walk off or, or block me on social media. Because, you know, we're not in the business to say to our clients, well, our product's biodegradable without having anything to back it up. And a lot of companies, yeah, that, you know, do have biodegradable products. But the question is, is if they can't back up what they're saying, then obviously, you know, if you go and try and sell this to a state regulatory authority because you want to go and, you know, use it in, you know, either the upstream, the midstream or downstream sector, and it suddenly turns out that this product isn't biodegradable. Um, and what it means by biodegradable is that it basically breaks down to water and carbon dioxide within a certain amount of time and there's no trace of it. Um, there are hundreds of tests, I mean hundreds of tests that, are, that can be used um, to prove the biodegradability of a product. So, you know, you've got to make sure that the, the testing, the right testing is being used on the chemicals, because if not, um, all data going forward is basically null and void. How much of your job becomes a liaison or educator or diplomat when it comes to regulators and, and oil companies, energy companies? Quite a lot, actually. Um, yeah. We're seeing that um, a lot more operators are coming to us and saying, hey, you know, we're having issues, you know, we're talking to the state because because they don't understand the science behind the product or whatever. Could you, you know, could you go and talk to them? Um, so, you know, we are seeing a lot more upturn in that in a sense of, you know, our products, like many other, other new products coming out, contain newly discovered compounds or re, reworked compounds to make them more safe and effective. Um, so, you know, your average person in your, in your, you know, in the Railroad Commission, for instance, who's, who's got an engineering background within the oil and gas industry but has never dealt with chemistry doesn't quite understand the science behind it. So then we've obviously got to go through the whole area of saying, right, you know, this is x y and z of the product this is what this does this is what this does this is what this does you know and this is why we've included it in the product or you know stuff like that and it's in a sense it is tedious and time consuming but it also helps you know the regulatory authorities better understand what is what is now out there compared to what was out there in you know in the early days of the industry What do you want people to remember from this interview, kind of the walk away, the takeaway from, from it? You know, people listening, environmental services, there's a lot of uh, accountability, uh, vetting on of, of, uh, of companies right now. You know, I mean, some companies are not around that were trying to be around three years ago. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, overall, I mean, even if you don't use my company, you know, if, if, if people don't use my company, it's it's always make sure that you do your due diligence of the company 
and of the products. Don't just take a salesman's word and just because he may show you a fancy demonstration of him spraying or that person spraying a chemical on the ground on an oil spill and it suddenly disappears. Think about it like this. If you were to put a fish tank on a table, a small size aquarium or whatever, put a, a, a micro filter in, in the top, layer the soil in there, and then spray the product on, what are you going to see that ends up in the in the tank? That is the easiest way to de- to debunk a product, um, because what we you know we've seen people saying hydrogen peroxide, you know, it's biodegradable, it makes the oil biodegradable. No, it is biodegradable. The, in the you know the hydrogen peroxide is biodegradable because most of it is water, but it doesn't do anything to the oil other than make it far easier to remove from the soil. Um, you know, so just just make sure that when a salesman or a company is telling you that they can do this or their product does that, listen to what they're telling you. I mean, you, Google is at your fingertips. So when someone's saying to you, it turns, for instance, crude oil into sand, just Google how to turn crude oil into sand and guaranteed you're not going to get the results you're looking for because it, it's not physically possible. Um, or they say it's biodegradable. Okay. What test did you what test did you perform? And it's quite easy. You just go online and you can look at the test. You can look at the testing method. You can see a sample of a of a testing report. So you say, well, can I see your your testing report? And if they've got the testing report, they're not going to say, well, I'll send it to you next week, because that basically means they don't have the testing report. They're going to try and get it done in a short space of time, then send it to you. you know, so just do your due diligence on the product, on the company, see what available data is out there, because you'll be surprised. There is a lot more data out there than people actually assume um you know we're seeing it with a lot of our raw materials where a lot of our raw materials were were developed in europe um so there's a great database in europe called the the reach database which is um basically a, a, a an encyclopedia of chemicals and raw materials and it will tell you exactly you know what each chemical does what its biodegradability is and you know you've got the data at your fingertips so, you know, it all comes down, do your due diligence, make sure what you're being told is the truth, um, and make sure that in the long run you are staying compliant with state and federal regulations. So we're not going to see where, you know, Colorado is a prime example and other states that are trying to, in a sense, ban the industry, you know, because the reason the industry is trying to be banned is because people see it as a corrupt money-grabbing, you know, industry, where in fact... 99.99% of people in the industry are genuine. If, you know, they, they have a family to support. And all they're trying to do is do their job with what they're being told by other people. So it's, you know, just do your homework.